When you seek truth, where do you look? To the horizon or to the heavens? I'm Garland McWaters, and this is the Spirit of Leading. In this episode of The Spirit of Leading, let's explore truth. There is truth, and then there is a larger truth. We need to understand both and how one reflects the other. First, a disclaimer. not an academic philosopher, and I have no intention of expounding on the meaning of truth. I am offering some thoughts on how to decide whether or not to believe what someone is claiming as truth. To get a sense of how these relate, I think we need to understand the relationship of perspectives and perceptions. A perspective is a physical point of view. It's a vantage point from which we experience the world around us through our senses. A perception is an intellectual interpretation or an understanding of the events depending upon which of the elements of the events we focus our attention on. For example, there's a traffic accident that happens in an intersection. The police interview the witnesses who observed the accident from all their different points of view and their perception of who was at fault might vary depending upon from which vantage point they observe the accident. So in this podcast, my quest for truth stems from some of my own life experiences. First, there's my childhood and adolescence. Then there was my training for and my experience in the ministry. And then third, and later on, my graduate education and experience in broadcast journalism. And in all of these examples, I'll explain how I've tried to shift my perspective from the horizon to the heavens. I'd like to begin with the third set of my experiences, and that would be my studies in journalism and briefly as a broadcast journalist. I studied and I subscribed to the Code of Ethics of the Society of Professional Journalists. The preamble of that code simply states, members of the Society of Professional Journalists believe that public enlightenment is the forerunner of justice and the foundation of our democracy. Ethical journalism strives to ensure the free exchange of information that is accurate, fair, and thorough. An ethical journalist acts with integrity. And one of the tenets of this code is to provide context to facts and not to oversimplify or to misrepresent the facts in the pursuit of trying to make it brief. Context is my equivalent to looking to the heavens for the larger truth in which our very limited view of the horizon exists. We can see only so far at ground level. Another tenet of that code is to take responsibility for the accuracy of one's work, to verify sources for credibility and accuracy. So consequently, a journalist needs to be ready to correct any mistakes and take responsibility for them. When new information is verified, they must be willing to update their story be diligent to get the story right and admit it when they get it wrong and then correct it. I did not realize until I studied the code of ethics for professional journalists that these values had been part of my quest for truth ever since my teenage years. Going back to my childhood, as a child, my truth really orbited around my father and mother. 
I adopted their truth as mine without question, and that's usually the case. It never even occurred to me that I was allowed to think for myself. Most of the truths I acquired were from their direct example or from their teachings, especially their religious views about Jesus as the Son of God, eternal salvation, what that meant, morality, obedience, and duty. The only conversation I ever remember having with my father about my future career happened when he asked me what I thought I might want to do to make a living. And when I said I wanted to be a lawyer, his immediate and unequivocal response was no. His reasoning? A Christian cannot be a lawyer because lawyers defend criminals. This, I learned, was a limited truth, but the truth that my dad knew. There was no conversation about the full range or the larger context of legal services that lawyers provide, none of which involved defending criminals. Other truths laid on me revolved around the value of becoming a minister of the gospel and that I was to marry in the Lord, which meant within the boundaries of my particular religious denomination. Eventually, I did both. I earned a Bachelor of Arts degree in Biblical Studies from a Christian university and I married a girl I met at church. We had two wonderful children together who have grown into amazing adults with wonderful families. I worked in the ministry for several years and then continued as a Bible class teacher and leader in the churches where I attended for many, many more years. But somewhere along the way, I began to realize that I could, in fact, think for myself and test the truth as I knew it at any time. I had several breakthrough moments, but one of them I remembered as a minister was when I discovered the history of the Galilean city of Sepphoris, located about an hour's walk from Jesus' hometown of Nazareth. However, Sepphoris, this amazing and resilient Roman city with a rich history, is never mentioned in the New Testament accounts of Jesus' life. To me, it was like walking to the horizon and discovering an expanded truth. Hey, there's more. And I began to wonder, well, what else was over the horizon that I had never traveled far enough to see? Metaphorically, many people stand still and just look around them and say, well, that's it. What I see from this location is the totality of truth. Yet they never walk toward the horizon for an extended view. Looking back, another breakthrough was even earlier than that. It was the NASA space program, which was in full swing during my high school years and my early college years. Seeing the photograph of Earth's surface from space, from the heavens, made me see and perceive Earth in an entirely different way. I did not see political boundaries anywhere, like the ones you see drawn on the maps. I did not see races of human beings or the different colors of human beings. What I did see, though, was an integrated whole. The weather patterns that are global and interactive, that everything, and I mean everything, is relational. The Earth is an ecological system that exists in a larger cosmological system. And speaking of horizons and heavens, as late as the mid-16th century, I learned that the common belief was that the Earth was the center of the universe. And before that, they even believed it was flat. Anyone living on the surface of the Earth could clearly see that the sun rose over the eastern horizon and set over the western horizon. Therefore, it must be traveling around the earth, which was obviously standing still. 
Christian religious leaders premise their beliefs on the earth being the immovable center of the universe, as suggested in the Holy Bible. Although the larger truth that we've now learned is that the earth rotates on its axis at about 1,000 miles per hour at the equator, and planet Earth is zipping along at about 67,000 miles per hour in its orbit around the sun. Yet, our sensation, therefore our reality, is that we are standing still. Galileo was not the first astronomer to believe the Earth revolved around the sun, but it was with the invention of his telescope that he was able to look deep into the heavens and make better observations and calculations on the movement of heavenly bodies. He concluded, the sun was the center of our solar system, and the stars were farther away from our solar system than we thought. The truth, and the larger truth, they must be, and they are, consistent with each other. Yet Galileo was immediately in trouble with the religious leaders and was forced to back, off, back away from his findings or face excommunications. And even when he recanted, he even spent the rest of his life under house arrest. The second phase of my quest for truth involved coming to grips with the presumptions of my religious faith. As I said, I was a minister. My particular religious branch was notorious for teaching that they, and only they, were going to heaven. Since, as determined through scriptural debate, their baptism and method of worship were the only scripturally acceptable methods. I was suspicious of that position early on in my life, and I never actually advanced it. And it took almost four decades for me to really look up to a larger truth. I realized that the scriptures we Christians call the New Testament were full of metaphysical perceptions that had been obscured by my insistence on a literal interpretation. Furthermore, I learned that it took about 400 years after Jesus' life for these writings that we call the New Testament today to reach a somewhat final consensus among religious leaders of Western Christianity. And it wasn't for hundreds and hundreds of years later that everyone really kind of came to a more firm agreement upon that. But it wasn't unanimous and the debate still remains. The heavenly spiritual truth that I arrived at and believed in, after looking up in a larger context, is that the universe is animated by a divine energy, which I call God, that no institution stands between me and God's presence in my life, and that Jesus, as a way-shower, taught that his religion as practiced in his lifetime and in his experience was both hypocritical and ineffective in light of the love of God and practicing the presence of God through acts of love. Christ is the word I use to describe the presence of God in me. I live and have my being in the presence of this God. The church that Jesus said he would establish is a movement of those called to practice that presence of God. And it's not an institution, which by the way now touts dozens of varieties and scores of subsets of interpretations and doctrines and dogma worldwide. There is no universal agreement. So, how do I apply looking beyond the horizon into the heavens for truth to our contemporary lives? Well, as it pertains to our national discourse and politics and societal norms and social and economic justice, partisan factions have staked out their spot from which they see the world. The extremes on both ends of the spectrum seem content to stay in place and neither look beyond their horizon nor up to a larger context of truth. It's my truth that those who labored to come up with a more perfect union looked both backward as well as forward 
to provide an ideal to which we could collectively aspire when we look up to find a larger truth. How we can rise above individual perspectives and see the bigger picture of living together in harmony. President John F. Kennedy said, the great enemy of the truth is very often not the lie, deliberate and contrived and dishonest, but the myth, persistent, persuasive, and unrealistic. The sun does not rise or set in one dominant personality or in a single political perspective or in the quest to maintain a comfortable status quo for some at the expense of liberty and justice for all. I believe the larger truth is to be found in our larger humanity, in our collective well-being, in protecting the planet on which we live because we cannot live without it. We cannot live without fresh air, clean, pure water, and fertile, pollution-free soil. When we finally can break free of a limited horizontal view and apprehend the larger truth in which we live, we finally will be able to know the truth that will set us free. As Mahatma Gandhi said, truth never damages a cause that is just. So let's look up to the heavens for the larger context in which we live our daily truth bounded by our movable horizons. That's it for this installment of The Spirit of Leading. Thanks for listening. I also encourage you to recognize and appreciate anyone who demonstrates the spirit of leading at work and in the community. When you join the Empowered, you get a notification of my latest podcast or the latest post in my weekly Empowering Thoughts series. So please share this podcast with your friends and colleagues. And until next time, I urge you to live empowered each and every day to unleash your creative energy. And in the spirit of leading, encourage the spirit, enliven the heart, enlighten the mind, and enlarge the expectations of living in yourselves and in others. I'm Garland McWaters.